Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Could the human race be some sort of ongoing experiment by somebody else? Could conditions like Alzheimer's disease actually be people's consciousness separating from this world in preparation for passing to another? Why can't most ghosts be seen clearly? Hey there, and welcome to the 518th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those diverse questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening, we bring you the latest of our open line shows, and these seem to be very popular shows uh, that we offer. And we do welcome your phone calls. The number is, locally, 401 766 one two four zero, and from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, eight hundred four four nine one two four zero. Okay, so we're off and running. We do have a lot of contacts via Facebook messaging uh, this week. So let's begin with Jamie from Bangor, Maine. Alrighty, so and, uh, this is an issue that keeps coming up. So I thought we'd just read Jamie's as an example, and I can talk a little bit about what we're doing about it. Alrighty, so uh, Jamie wrote to us. Finally, found an app that allows me to listen to the WON station podcast. Uh, it is a free app called Power Amp. Uh, any audio you download, a podcast, music, etc., will automatically show up on the program. Just have uh, to flip through the uh, file you downloaded, and voila. All right. Well, we have had a lot of. Uh, uh, comments from people, particularly in the UK, that they can't get some of these podcasts. Although they they, they can get onworldwide.com without too much trouble. It was mainly the, the uh, our late CBS show that they had trouble getting. So because <clears throat> they had some CBS had some agreement with the BBC that they wouldn't stream it over there. I don't know, whatever. But um, you can try this app. Actually, I tried it, Jamie. I thank you for, for letting us know about this, because anything that makes it easier for people to listen to the show, uh, we're all grateful for. Uh, I, I, I couldn't find this app. Now, now I'm talking about an iPhone. I, I think you're using an Android. So whatever. It's, it, just, folks, uh, if you have a, an Android or, or some device that can use this uh, PowerAmp app, then by all means uh, try it out. And thank you again, Jamie, for suge- suggesting that. Uh, here's another one from our friend Ted Torvish, the host of The Stench of Truth. Got to love that name on Inception Radio. And Ted is uh, making another comment and asking something here. Righty, so uh, Ted writes to us, uh, thanks for getting my question. Uh, that was just, on the last open line show. Right. Uh, just uh, for your information, the call technology would uh, include anything from facility- facilities uh a faci- that facility's connection to or the movement of matter or energy from one reality to another. Examples, uh, rituals, prayer, meditation, actual technolo- technological devices that can tap and transform that whatever in our reality. So like quantum commu- computers, I guess. Uh, it might also include Ouija boards, uh, mediumistic psi activity, etc. Okay. Well, this is because I, was, I had mentioned that I had not heard the term occult technology before i've heard variations of it but uh i've heard paranormal technology quantum technology things of this kind and so i guess what ted is uh, <clears throat> certainly explaining that that this would include all the, these various uh f- things i suppose that could be i suppose um harnessed for uh, shall we say commercial use <laughs> but i don't think it quite it would work well that it way. doesn't sound commercial it sounds more in industrial or research yeah, related, all right, or research you know. related or whatever. Well, there's been a lot of speculation, and we had a show uh, one time on this whether you could use 
paranormal principles of the kind we discuss, such as moving between worlds to, to take, a, say, a, a, a container that would be carried on a ship and move it to Europe without using the ship. In other words, uh, cross the world boundary to the part of the multiverse where it's already in Europe. Right. But I know I, th- this seems to me fraught with peril. I mean, these worlds and, and, and situations are separated for good reason, because there, you just imagine the 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 byproducts, the collateral phenomena that might occur. In other words, if you, um, I suppose it's a variation on the old time conundrum, the old time paradox thing, which really isn't valid in itself, but it might be valid in this case. In other words, the old paradox: if you go back in time and shoot your own grandfather, how could you be born? But it doesn't work that way because if you go back in time and shoot your grandfather, you simply create another world. Well, time isn't like a VHS tape. You can't just no. rewind it. Well, that, that's what, see, people have a lot of trouble accepting that or absorbing the concept. Well, you can blame um, popular movies and stuff for that because that's how, that, that's how it's popularized, like Back to the Future, oh, of course, yeah. for example. People or, use Hollywood for their instruction. I find that just extremely disturbing. Yeah, it's terrifying. They learn about their politics, their philosophy, their, uh, their science, allegedly, through... Movies very often on the popular level. It's really well, working with people really who are bad. probably or who are probably going to be going to Hollywood. I mean, all they know is media, and that's it. So, for yeah. anyone who gets the information from movies and documentaries, just remember that. I found that in journalism. All they know is journalism. You can't do that. You have to be a liberally educated person, in the classical sense of liberally educated. You have to know about a number of different subjects, and that used to be emphasized in colleges, even high schools, and now it isn't that much. Although supposedly it's being rehabilitated, but and in any case. Uh, I think what the, the problem with this sort of technology would be that, okay, you suppose you, you move the container to Europe, all right? But what, other, what, what else comes with it in the sense that if you move it from one world to another, uh, from the world where it's in, say, Rhode Island here, uh, to uh, France, what else happens? What else is different about that world? There may be, you'd have to find exactly the, the right world in which that's the only difference. Otherwise, you can imagine the chaos. Right. So I just can't imagine how I can imagine, but I don't know if it really would be realistic to uh, at this point to to do that until we have considerable control. We don't even have a considerable control, any control really about our own experiences. Never mind those of containers and things of that kind, commercial True. uses or industrial uses. Yeah. So uh, it is an interesting concept. I think it is real. It could work, but not just yet. I don't think. Well, there's no such thing as absolute certainty. No, there isn't. That's right. So I mean, right. if, even if you were attempting to gather some alien technology from a foreign world, I mean, what's to say that it wouldn't get lost along the way or whatever? Or that that's it could true. Even suppose that's how we got Velcro. But that's supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah, I mean, that's... No, and tinfoil. They, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, we can think of these things on ourselves. No. <laughs> like, our ancestors couldn't build the pyramids no. No, without no, no, a bunch no. of aliens to come in and move around a bunch of rocks for them. Anyway, I, who knows? Uh, here's one from Steve in nearby Blackstone, Massachusetts. Alrighty, so Steve writes to us, I think my favorite shows are the ones where you talk about the long uh, mysteries and largely empty history of the human race. You and your guests uh, have suggested many different scenarios for how the human race came about and how it developed. Some of them have uh, been pretty sobering, like you, Paul, suggest that maybe parasites created us as uh, food sources and continue to farm us. I heard Stan Friedman suggest on... um, two of your shows that the Earth could be a uh, penal colony. He did not say uh, for who or what. Uh, one possibility I have not heard, unless it was on a show I missed, 
uh, missed, excuse me, <clears throat> was uh, that some other race created us as a biological experiment or even a social experiment. I am 61 and remember sitting through a uh, class at Catholic school with nuns telling me that God tests us all the time throughout our lives. Certainly sounds like experimenting to me. What say you? <laughs> well, thank you. Very uh, thoughtful question, uh, Steve. Thank you very much. You know, I also am roughly your vintage, and I sat through classes in schools with nuns, and uh, they would say the same thing. And I, I began to wonder. I, I quickly learned not to express my questions too vociferously because uh, I'd sometimes get in trouble, although there were a few who thought they were funny. But I would also, you know, if, if God is testing us, what does he have to test us for? Doesn't he know already whether we're up to the task or whatever? And... Uh, then I got into the seminary, and there were issues of um, uh, free will. You know, if uh, God may know everything, but you don't, and uh, the reason you are tested and otherwise trained here is so that you will become better in a sense of freedom, in the sense that, you know, nobody's making you do anything, you make your own choices and this sort of thing. Yeah, there's, there's a certain attraction to that. But ultimately, there may be, uh, as we always say on this show, deeper truth, sometimes very disconcerting truths behind these beliefs. Uh, I'm often catching flack from people who don't like my religious views, or at least the ones I choose to express, which is, you know, really, I, I don't talk about my own religious beliefs a lot, neither does Ben, but we do bring out the idea that many of the, the classic religious beliefs are based on maybe something deeper and are expressed in ways that we can understand them. Uh, as, as opposed to ways that we cannot, because we have a certain very limited framework, very limited parameters in our thinking and experience, and that's how we think the whole world. We think the whole world can measure up to that, can be limited to those concepts, and I don't think it can. So, testing. Hmm. When I read this question, the idea of um, my questions about alien abductions, or what we think are alien abductions or call that, and alien implants... And it's funny, we have a, a thing from our friend Lon Strickley here, uh, his phantomsandmonsters.com, a very excellent website, Lon, uh, being a, um, a confidant of ours, and it sends uh, this, this material to us that we sometimes report it on the show. A uh, particular person writing to Lon, talking about the various implants. And th these, these have been found in people's bodies. And whether they were put there by so-called aliens, I don't know, but they have been... Uh, found and things taken out. I've seen a couple of them and uh, certainly talked to people to whom this is, has happened. So is it an experiment um, from whether it be God or aliens or whoever? Um, I, there is some evidence to, uh, to that effect. And the question is, what does it mean? Are we in control of our own world? Are we, are th we think we are or are made to think we are. And no one can really answer these things for sure. The idea that... Um, parasites might have created us i never said that i've never known parasites to create anything and for those who don't know i'm when i'm talking about parasites i'm talking about one of the what i i in my experience with this field is it is one of the deeper truths behind some of the beliefs that we have in folklore such as evil spirits demons even vampires things of this kind because these entities seem to be life forms not spirits or ghosts or anything like that or uh, that sort of thing. They tend to feed off people's negative energy. That's sometimes hard to put your finger on that, but we find that in cases where the right 
ducks are lined up, so to speak. Uh, these things can occur. People who are under extreme stress, where there is extreme hatred, division, all these the most negative things you can think of, particularly in homes and even communities, these entities can be active. This is how they eat, and this is how they live. Um, they, are, they do fulfill the role of demons, but I've never found that they are necessarily evil or good in one way or the other. They seem to be entirely... In their presence, I've gotten, and this goes back to 1974, my first real nasty encounter with them. They seem to be sterile. They don't, they're not human. They don't seem to care one way or the other, although there have been some very interesting encounters between people and, and them, as, as have been reported to us in a number of different ways. We've talked about that on different shows. But I think that um, they have not created anything. Parasites in nature don't usually do that. They use what's there and they will attach themselves uh, to hosts, which in this case is us. And uh, so I don't think they created this. But the farming part, yeah, I have found them farming uh, families, even communities. And when I say farming, I mean pushing the right buttons and cultivating the food supply, just as we would with cattle. Uh, Is that the purpose of the human race? I sure hope not, but there is some evidence that we are being used that way. I think that... um, Stanton Friedman's comment, and I do remember, Steve, the comments that Stanton made about, in passing, about the Earth possibly being a penal colony. And Stanton Friedman, for those who don't know, is probably is the grandfather of UFO studies, certainly pretty much globally. And Stan is an elderly gentleman. We know him pretty well. Uh, we have interviewed him on the show many times, and he was the first civilian investigator of the famous Roswell case, the supposed UFO crash in New Mexico in 1947, and he's been around for over 50 years doing excellent work. However, he's very much a nuts-and-bolts kind of guy. Uh, He pretty much sticks to the idea that these are craft from other planets visiting Earth and doing whatever they're doing. He doesn't have any uh, set idea about what the abduction phenomenon may be about, if that's what it really is, and uh, all these things. So, but he has suggested th- two things that, that intrigue me. One is that um, Earth could be a penal colony, and he has never gone into detail, and because we never asked him really about it. But he um, has suggested that um, perhaps there may not be uh, an origin for... Um, that there may be an origin that's uh, non-terrestrial for some of us and, and this sort of thing, and that there may be issues. Uh, we do have a caller we're going to take right now, and uh, we're very happy to... What? I know it's Tony. We're very happy to welcome Tony to the show. I'm talking about Tony Loray. Tony is the the head of... Uh, this is a little bit off uh, the beaten path of our usual discussion, but Tony is the CEO and founder of YMC, or the Youth Mentoring Connection, in South Los Angeles, California, where we have a lot of listeners. So... We wanted to welcome Tony to the show on Martin Luther King Day and in January, which is uh, National Mentoring Month, and that's what YMC does, because we are adopting YMC as one of our nonprofits here on the show. For Hopefully that will do some good. Tony, welcome to uh, WON. How are you this evening? Hey, Paul, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good, good. So tell us about YMC and um, the, the successes you've had. Yeah, it's, uh, when when young people are in the uh, inner city of Los Angeles, are um, what they call at risk um, of you know, joining gangs, dropping out of school, doing this, the kinds of things that, that ruin their uh, lives. Tony, could you speak up a bit, please? 
Oh, sorry. Um, can you hear me better now? That's a little better, yeah. Okay. When, when young people um, are, you know, at risk of, of doing the things that mess up their life, you know, dropping out of school, joining gangs, doing drugs, and so on and so forth, um, we, we find them. Uh, we get them a mentor, uh, surround them by a community. What I mean by that is, is it's not just like one kid and an adult in a mentoring relationship, but we get, we create instant community. Uh, a lot of times with corporations um, in the area, so that you know they have some kind of a sense of family. That's why kids join gangs mm-hmm. is to feel like they're a part of something. Um, and then we um, uh, basically we train our mentors to help discover young people's gifts, um, so that uh, instead of looking at them from the standpoint of here's all the behaviors we want to change in you, um, we have our mentors. Uh, try to help them discover what what gifts they were born with. Uh, we believe everybody comes into this life with a with their own purpose. Um, and by doing that, by having kids seen from the standpoint, we call it the gift center approach. Uh, we've ended up um, with this model that gets us a ninety six percent graduation rate. Ninety six percent. That part of LA isn't the graduation rate around thirty percent. The, the neighborhood that we started in, the youth center in that neighborhood, has said that uh, less than, than 27% of the uh, uh, students there graduate. Wow. District-wide, which that includes the better performing schools and the lesser ones, LA Unified is, is just above 50%. So either number you use, 96 is a pretty good improvement. Yeah, really. Okay, excellent. And uh, we're going to be talking about it on the show as we go. As I say, we're going to be adopting uh, Youth Mentoring Connection. Tony, tell us where people can find out more, website, et cetera. Yes, um, our website is uh, www.youthmentoring.org. And we have a Facebook page um, now, just to go into Youth Mentoring. Facebook. All right. Uh, And uh, you recently had uh, visitors from the government of China and officials from South America who came to see how you do things. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, the Macau, which is um, kind of like the Las Vegas of, of the <laughs> yeah. um, they they have a youth problem. They have a problem with kids dropping out of schools, and they have gangs and so on. And They did a study of the programs in the United States that they would want to learn from, and um, they, they came upon us, they said, because of our innovative approach. Um, we've also had um, a group from Jamaica come and visit us and um, a group in Peru, which, uh, from what I understand, is the worst performing academically country in the southern cone, um, has uh, literally, this, this one group has um, taken the blueprint of our program and put it in step-by-step um, just outside of Lima. Outstanding. Um, so okay, we're well... all over the place. Well, today being a holiday, we probably don't have too many CEOs sitting in traffic listening to the show right now, but uh, we will be talking about it every Monday. And, Tony, uh, why don't you give us your website one more time? It's uh, youthmentoring.org. Very good. Tony, excellent job. Keep up the great work. We'll be in touch. And, uh, again, we'll, um, we'll be promoting the, the, the uh, YMC for you, and also we're going to be promoting a book that uh, Tony and his wife are working on, and uh, you're going to be hearing a lot more about that on the show. So, Tony, thanks for calling in. 
Oh, and, and no, no major uh, UFO sightings going on in L.A. Uh, lately, uh, just to tie in with the theme of the show. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. I have to tell you that, that um, we get a lot of the wisdom that we approach our youth with, with from um, indigenous cultures. Right. And, you know, when you, when you talk about paranormal and stuff, I've been involved in rituals that um, are um, inspired by the, the native peoples of, of the area that, that we live in. And I've seen some pretty remarkable things happen. Interesting. Um, and, yeah, the, the, um, you know, the natives, uh, they, they talk a lot about the ancestors or, or bringing in the spirits. The ancestors, yes, as, as, do, as yeah. do I. Yeah, so, you know, the idea that um, there's, there's a, a world behind this world, um, that you know makes anything possible, and there, I got a bunch of stories actually about where we've kind of delved into that area. And, and well, that sounds interesting. We ought to schedule you as a guest. You know, you can relate uh, modern urban life and problems to uh, how the, how sh- shall I say shamanic principles and and uh, indigenous principles might uh, might be applied to help uh, mitigate those problems. Absolutely. That that is we, we've actually been on panels. Discussing that with um, uh, uh, you know different uh, organizations in LA that are trying to look for new ways that are more effective. No kidding, that's really interesting. Well, I, I know that you're not feeling uh, really up to snuff today. Let's schedule you for a show like in March, and we'll do that. That sounds like a great subject. I think I would enjoy that immensely. Excellent. Let's do that. Well, but I bid right. you a good uh, still afternoon where you are. So uh, good afternoon, and uh, thanks for calling in. And we'll be in touch very soon. Okay, I look forward to it. Thank you, Tony. Okay, everybody. Tony Luray from Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles. Check it out. That's right. Youthmentoring.com. You'll be hearing a lot about it on the show here. Okay, so let's uh, just to finish up uh, Steve's comment here from uh, Blackstone, Massachusetts. I think that uh, in talking about Stan Friedman's idea and all the conversations we've had with Stan, Ben, we haven't really talked about what what he meant and no. the second thing that he talked you know like, whether like it's, we should have asked but we just never did well next time he's on we will because okay. there's there are always so many things to talk about yeah. another thing that he mentioned and i heard this in an interview with him in 1978 and for 30 years i wanted to ask him about it and finally we had a chance the first time he was on our show back in 08 and we were on the, the phoenix uh, uh network there and we asked i said stan in 1978 you said for the first time, at least in the last few thousand years, people are venturing out into space. <clears throat> and when you think of the construction of that sentence, what does he mean? Like be, there were a few thousand years ago, people were out in space. And I tend to think that there might be something to that. Because I think, and a number of other people do, including Graham Hancock and a few other people we've had on the show, that we have gone, as it were, from stone tools to power, power tools several times in the long and mostly empty history of the human race, mm. right? I think that uh, there there are a lot of very strange, telltale archaeological, almost paleontological finds from way back that indicate the use of machinery. Uh, one of the things, several of the things, uh, are mentioned in my last book, "Turning Home: God, Ghost, and Human Destiny." I'm thinking of the Neanderthal skull found in Botswana. At, at, at a at deep enough in the earth to be from that period, which is seventy-five to one hundred thousand years ago, and you had a um, clean, perfect, high-velocity rifle bullet hole in the skull. All right, there are examples of aurochs 
who have been extinct for thousands of years. They are cattle-like, uh, bull-like animals, almost like buffaloes, I suppose. They lived in Eurasia uh, seven, eight thousand years ago, back into the almost to the Pleistocene. There are several examples of them apparently brought down by gunfire. Now, what is this? You know, are we dealing with what I sometimes talk about as intruders from other worlds, uh, inadvertently blundering into other worlds that are time in, in different times, or uh, were we at a point where there was technological uh, prowess, shall we say, uh, in the distant past? Several times, several of the native tribes believe that this this is the case. Uh, I'm thinking particularly of the Hopi Indians uh, yes. in America, and they believe that there were four times. Um, that this has happened four times, and we're in the fifth age now. So, there you go. We'll, we'll try to get more information out of him on that, Steve, and thank you for your question. All right, we're going to take a break, and you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley, streaming live on onworldwide.com, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dave Gosher, your radio play-by-play voice of the Boston Bruins. Be sure to tune in to Boston Bruins hockey action all season long, only on ON 1240. WOON One Socket Radio. Let's go Bruins. The Boston Bruins are brought to you locally by Simon Chevrolet, Countertops by Superior, The Carew Investment Group, Inferno Audio, The Eston and Richard Agency, State Line Service, D&S Painting, One Socket Door Sales, Cousins Collision Center, and Ollie's Pizza. It's the Boston Bruins all season long, only on ON 1240 WOON, One Socket Radio. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. And we always take this moment after the break to remind you of the charities Ben and I have adopted. You can find them at BehindTheParanormal.com, our show website. We have links to every one of them. In particular, we refer to the one we adopted this evening, uh, very appropriately, on Martin Luther King Day in the middle of the month of January, which is National Mentoring Month. And you heard Tony Loray, the founder and CEO of Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles. And uh, I know it's far away for many of our listeners, although we do have a lot of listeners in California, particularly by podcast. And uh, we do ask you to check it out because Tony is doing remarkable work. Uh, we don't adopt charities lightly. And uh, it's just uh, what he's doing for the youth. I mean, to, to, to take a graduation rate of 27 to 30% in that part of Los Angeles and turn it into a 96% graduation rate for the people who go through his system, uh, matching them up with companies where they, they can get jobs and have self-respect it's just and stay out of gangs, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. So check it out, youthmentoring.com. And it's Tony Loray and the Youth Mentoring Connection in South Los Angeles. We'll be, we'll be talking more about that. Also, our, our veterans charities that we adopt, uh, certainly the, the primary uh, ones being uh, BuildersHelpingHeroes.org, our Builders Association here in Rhode Island, uh, helping uh, families and veterans who have been uh, uh, hurt or killed in the War, war on Terror. Uh, certainly Canadian Veterans Advocacy for our, our friends to the north. Uh, our good friend um, Mike Blaze in Ontario, having uh, formed that as a uh, advocacy group for veterans in Canada, and also uh, USACares.org, doing great things for American veterans. So check all those out if you would, and uh, contribute if you can, because uh, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for our veterans. And again, uh, there's a you know if, if you are grateful for just about anything you have, like for the law, don't thank a lawyer, thank a veteran. You know, for the food on your table, don't thank 
the supermarket, thank a, thank a veteran, you know. And I could go on and on, but you know uh, how important they are. So uh, let, let's uh, support that. So let's get back to our letters here on our Open Line show. Our numbers, if you do want to call in, is uh, locally 401-766-1240, or anywhere from the U.S. and Canada, 800-449-1240. So we have a note here from Ann in Boynton Beach, Florida. So Anne writes to us, uh, Your explanation for ghosts is the most sensible one I've ever heard. And uh, I find the idea of many simultaneous lives as one big life very plausible, too. Once you think about quantum physics and what it means, and I love your metaphors for all of it, my question is this. Do you feel that when people begin to fail at the beginning, at the ends of their lives, or even before that, uh, they are really separating from their bodies here in preparation for their consciousness to translate, as you say, uh, that the uh, leaf is getting ready to fall from the tree? Could conditions like Alzheimer's uh, actually be a shift of awareness instead of a loss a, a loss of awareness? <clears throat> Excuse me. I am a retired nurse, and I saw many of these things uh, you saw in hospitals, and I have often wondered the same things you do. Uh, many who have uh, worked with this, the sick and elderly wonder the same things. That's a really interesting question, and thank you very much, Ann, for for writing. I wonder I wonder if you're from around here originally. Living in Florida, probably, with the French yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd assume so. Yeah. Uh, so, I, hmm. What I think Anne is getting at here is a number of comments we've made, uh, particularly when I worked in psychiatric hospitals as a seminary student and as a grad student, uh, th- that I just got the impression that people were living in other worlds. Now, you have to consider the, the fact that many of these people are very old. The arteries do sometimes get clogged. Alzheimer's disease seems to be a real phenomenon, without a doubt. And people are often on rather strong medications. So all this certainly may play a, play a factor in them being a little separated from more their usual consciousness in a sense of daily life. On the other hand, there are people, and they don't have to be old, there are people who, uh, have, who have, have been toward the ends of their lives, regardless of their age, including children, who seem to have seem to be moving on already kind of before their body does. And our philosophy that Anne is talking about, and you don't usually hear this too much, but that's sort of a conclusion that I came to over the years, that you're probably dealing with a, uh, a, a super life. Uh, all these worlds that we're always talking about in, in terms of quantum mechanics and in terms of explain, explaining the paranormal, not as dead people, but as people in other worlds going about their lives in one form or another. Some of, some of them being very uh, alien worlds and worlds with very different laws of physics. And this is all um, at least considered by some areas of quantum physics. So scientists have thought about this. The uh, the issue is um, not that you're dying and you go poof or you go somewhere you're, or you're, the the essence of you your soul or whatever you want to call it goes somewhere or somewhere else, but you kind of uh, are already somewhere or somewhere else. And as in anything in nature, you take the path of least resistance and you go and, and you uh, don't have to, you don't go anywhere. You sort of become conscious. You you uh, are aware of another. Um, consciousness, which you're already the, uh, part of anyway, and it's really not that complicated when you think about it, but um, we are more than we appear to be here, and more than what we feel, more than what we see, hear, touch, taste, and uh, etc., and even know. So that that's the idea behind this. I think it's very possible 
that people separate gradually. Now, of course, you can't do that when you're pancaked by a freight train, but I mean, that, you know, not to make light of such a terrible event, but uh, that would be an interesting scenario. Would that create confusion for your consciousness? And we've talked about on the Shemetric, I finally managed to impress my son with a term he, that had never come up in our conversations over the last 21 years, uh, the flashing nexus a couple of shows ago. Yeah, that, that, and that was the, a whole new yeah, one. That, that and the one. core consciousness. Uh, I believe that, they, and this is just my philosophy, I don't have any inside information on this, I think that there is a core consciousness to all of us that is at the hub, if you will, of all these simultaneous lives, and that bring them all together into a nexus, if you will, of knowledge, wisdom, fear, every feeling or emotion you can think of. And the flashing nexus is, is an experience that one of our uh, correspondents described that uh, occurred in a, a near-death situation. Uh, he was on a table in a hospital, and he began, he, all of a sudden he was one of the nurses. He was one of the doctors. He was other people. He, he actually had the experience of being other people. And uh, we said that there's a very simple explanation for that, if you can call it simple, and, but in our world it is, that you're having um, an experience of parallel lives in other parts of the multiverse where you were the nurse, where you are the doctor. This is literally true. This explains a lot in the human experience, I think. I've had students come up to me and say, aha, that's it. You know, so uh, have we ever had an like? Have, I don't think I've ever come in contact with someone who's a member, uh, not a member. I almost said a member, a uh, member of the Alzheimer's community. No, a, a researcher of Alzheimer's. I've never run run into that. I mean, I've heard plenty of explanations. Yeah, well, of, well that, of, that's something I've had in mind for for booking somebody. Uh, yeah, because yeah. I've I've heard explanations ranging from everything from diets to just not doing anything. Well, don't look now, but next week we have Dr. Jim Tucker on, and he, he is a an expert. He's, he's a professor at the University of Virginia, and he is a, certainly an eminent doctor, and he has done a lot of research on reincarnation memories in children. What was the guy's name again? Uh, Dr. Jim Tucker. Tucker. Yeah, and we'll be talking to him next week, and uh, I have a lot of questions for him. And, of course, uh, oddly enough, the memories of children may go... Well, I'm not going to say back, but but go to areas where they are old people, if if there's any legitimacy to what we're saying here. Makes sense. So we're going to ask them about some of this, so that it might tie in with it's this the question. whole old soul, whatever that. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, I think it's a legitimate term. So there we go. So we're going to um, check that out, and thank you, Anne, for again a very thoughtful question. I think you may be very well on the right track with that. And the the leaf thing that that that's a metaphor we usually use. That you know, you're the whole tree. Right. One leaf falls off, the body you know here, and, and so what? You know, it's just a translation. You know, and everything is recycled, everything is true. A little too individualistic for my tastes, but I see where you're going. Yeah, I mean, that, they, you know, it's all, all analogies that just are not, are not perfect, but it maybe gets the, the concept across. Right. So here's another one from Mike Baldwin. It does not say where he is from, right on the bottom. Ah, uh, Mike Baldwin. Any relation to Alec? Who knows? Uh, I know. <laughs> no. So Mike writes to us. I know that you are. Uh, or I know that you guys do not think of ghosts as spirits of the dead. At least not the way most people do. If you are right and ghosts are not spirits, then why do they look like spirits? Well, how do you know what a spirit looks like? Uh, <laughs> why is that? Why is it that people see them as uh, light balls or wispy figures? If they are physical, how come we can't see them clearly? Well, I mean, if somebody's walking down the road like 
five miles away. Oh, how can we can't see them clearly? No, yeah, I mean, and, and, that bad eyesight. Well, another metaphor, since we're talking about metaphors, you can use is the one we talk about. If you're in your living room and somebody's walking by the window and you have a curtain in front of it, you're not going to see them in, in perfect physical. Shape. You're going. To, you're going to see them as a shadow or a right wispy figure going by the window, depending on where the sun. I feel is. as if people's perceptions dictate their experiences. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. I mean, that was that was the statement I had. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you well, want it's me to most expound. Most profound, Ben. So you could uh, extrapolate if you. Well, I mean, that. if I say more, it'll ruin it. Well, that's true. Because then the I, best sermon I ever heard was one sentence. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, and not because it was short, but because of its, of its profundity. So in any case, um, yeah, I think what, what we're dealing with here is you've got, if, if these ghosts are what we believe they are, not dead people or the remnants of dead people or memories or residual hauntings or any of that stuff, which I think is um, not good enough and, and is not valid, I think we're dealing with world boundaries, which in our even in our photography and in our experience, is our, our electromagnetic boundaries between certain worlds. The whole physical universe seems to be held together by electromagnetics. And uh, these, the, the plasma, the, the, the supercharged air molecules that are between these worlds have come out in a lot of photographs that we've had. Uh, in fact, there's one, you can see it on our website, in the uh, talking points section, if you'd have to, if, uh, for what year, I don't know, you'd have to hunt around, but a lot of interesting stuff on that page that has a, a one version of a room on one side and another version on the other, one of these boundaries between them. It's really quite interesting. And that's the way I've experienced it, too. And uh, so I think that you've got um, a lot of different versions of things, and you have a lot of different um, uh, things between these worlds, and that's why you don't see these things clearly. I was on uh, the Travel Channel thing, what was it, the Curses of New England back in 02. That's more than 10 years ago. Gosh, time flies when you're having fun. And the producer was very upset with me. We were filming in a cemetery in Newport, the old cemetery down there. If you're driving down uh, toward Thames Street on the um, once you get off the big bridge there, you'll go right by it. And she did not like my explanations for these things. She wanted spooky campfire stuff. This ghost did this. This ghost did that. And you the woman done a little research beforehand. Well, you think they would before they they bring you on and pay you that they you know. But I was not as well known then, really. Um, so a lot of people didn't. I don't even know if there was a, there was a website, but I don't know if they checked. Anyway, so uh, she was rather upset that I did not give the classical explanation. And she said, what about this this ghost who was seen here in Newport uh, back in the colonial days, reported many times, a woman who had died in a fire, and they saw her enveloped in flames. Well, I said, I don't believe they saw her enveloped in flames unless they were, they were looking through a world boundary to the event as it was actually taking place, which is entirely possible. I said, that's likely. Also likely is that the, what they were seeing was uh, the person herself in perfectly physical form, everything's physical here in, in, in that sense, and uh, the glow they saw around her was the world boundary. As you hear about this, I hear about this all the time, and I've actually seen things like this, although on very rare occasions. Well, I mean, if somebody believes something, then it is true. Like, I could point at the, the color green and say, that's red. And then everybody like, no, 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 that's green. Like, nope, to me that is red. Mm-hmm. That is the color red. 
and in therefore, some parallel world, somebody sees that. You know, that that's not the point. I'm saying yeah. that the, the point being is that if somebody really, really, really wants to perceive something, they will perceive it that way. That's right. As much as they like. Mm-hmm. For example, we could be entirely wrong about this. Sure. Because we we want to, and our brain makes makes sense out of these experiences by saying, all right, these are multiple worlds, all this stuff is colliding and coming over, blah, blah, blah. But the same could be said for the people who are into the old-timey spiritualism. Mm-hmm. They're saying, well, these are all dead people, and that's it. Well, one of the principles, ironically, of the multiverse uh, theories are that at some point, since they can conceive of ghosts being the spirits of dead people, that somewhere, someone in the multiverse, it, th- that must exist. Right. But whether it's here is another question. But you're right. We're the first ones to admit we could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely... No matter how many decades you do this. Yeah, I mean, experience doesn't mean anything if you're perceiving it in a weird way. Absolutely not. That's right. It's It's like telephone. Like mm-hmm. the game you play when you're a kid, someone starts off the telephone with a message, and then by the end of it, like the whole thing's all messed up. Oh yeah, yeah. We did that in the military for Pete's sake. Oh really? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, to did, prove that, that you did, that, did that in kindergarten? Yeah. Well, that, the, well, yeah, I guess well, everything the, I needed to know you learned in kindergarten. Everything I know, I learned in kindergarten. Yeah. Well, the point being is that yeah, it's it's things can get changed and muddled over time. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, just as we might see this woman with the glow around her as the glow is being a fire in the same way we could see what we're seeing and then be interpreting it incorrectly. Indeed, because our perception um, defines our experience. And it's very limited. Yeah. Yeah. So there we are. limited. Hence the motto of our show, everything you know is wrong, or at least not known. Right. Everything you know, you don't know. Okay, well, let's move on to one more. More here. This is uh, from Terry in Foxborough, Massachusetts, also not too far away. Alrighty, so Terry writes to us, Paul, I am always surprised when you, a seminary graduate, uh, question that... Wait, no, we answered this before. We did? Yeah. Well, how come it came out on Facebook two weeks ago? Two weeks? Oh, I thought we answered this. No, no I, get, I just get this a lot. A lot of people don't like that I, you know, that I don't adapt their religious views. Uh, the, the, how can you believe that the parasites you talk about are not demons? How can you have uh, seen all these exorcism, exorcisms and poltergeists and believe it was not the devil? Maybe the devil got to you and you never knew it. Now, this is even worded similarly to, to things I've gotten before. Well, Terry, um, I hope you're wrong. Um, the, I think we, we just, we, uh, in a way, just already talked about that, that uh, the, the, these parasites, they are demons. I mean, they, they, uh, they measure up to the job. But... Uh, I have to say to you what I say to skeptics. I was there, and you were not. Now, I don't know what your experiences are. Maybe you've seen some of this stuff. I don't know. But when, when you're there in the presence of these, you just, I just get entirely different impressions than most people do. Uh, in, in witnessing ten exorcisms, uh, mostly in hospital situations, and, and back in the 70s mostly, these, um, they didn't always work. These things just didn't seem to be what we thought they were. In, in I just and I didn't go blurting that out. I wasn't in charge here. I was just assisting priests. But uh, I just don't think these. I think there's there's a deeper truth, as we said at the beginning of the show, behind these concepts. Behind the paranormal. <laughs> right. There's our title, ladies and gentlemen. Ben hasn't had the pleasure of encountering too many of these things in these situations. No. Nasty knockdown dragout, but. Um, 
I mean, and, and people are, people often ask me, do you believe the devil exists? And I said, well, you know, I think a lot of these things are worth looking in the mirror for. I think a lot of these things come from our own consciousness, our own archetypes. Is there a being who is equivalent to God, only in an evil sense? That is not a Christian or Jewish doctrine. We're not Zoroastrians here. Really. That's right. That's, that's essentially a Zoroastrian. And it's a Manichaean doctrine. Oh, Manichaean. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, th- these are all ancient cults, although Zoroastrians still exist. But uh, the Manichaean cults uh, believe that you had an, uh, a good God and an evil God, and that's how you kind of explain the stuff, in the world, although the good will, would eventually win out. But again, these are not Christian doctrines. So uh, before you accuse me of betraying what I learned in the seminary, you should know your own doctrines because yours are just are, are as, as wrong as you accuse mine of being. And as I've said many times, I'll very often run into you know good people, golden hearts, salt of the earth, who start telling me, "Well, th- what you're saying this is heresy." You're saying. And then I'll ask them what their points of view are, and as one with theological training, I'll hear heresy after heresy in things they're saying. So, I mean, and ultimately, it comes down to God and you. Ultimately, even some of the fathers of the church said that, uh, it really does come down to silence in the presence of God. That's where it has to land. All right. So, regardless of the terms we use, regardless of the way we look at the terms, and what's behind the terms, uh, I don't think this is a fair treatment. And I think that before you judge uh, what other people are believing, you should know what your own beliefs are, because they might not match what what your church or synagogue or even mosque will teach. So there you have it. So that's my response to that. So thank you, Terry, for writing in. All right, we have... um, Oh, now, following right along with that, there's a news item that I wanted to touch on. I don't think you've seen this, Ben. Probably not, no. It only came in uh, yesterday. That's probably, uh, then I definitely wouldn't right. mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, a Mar- this is from the Associated Press. A Maryland woman charged with killing two of her children, this is tough stuff, has told investigators that she thought an exorcism was necessary to remove the presence of the devil and evil spirits, a police captain said Sunday. And it gives her name, a young woman, 28 years old, uh, the poor children are one and two years old each. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm sick to death of hearing about these awful, disaster, of these terrible acts of cruelty and violence. Yeah. But this woman believed that she was doing the right thing because she thought they were possessed. This whole area is fraught with peril. Where is this again? Germantown, Maryland. Ring a bell? No. Well, actually, well, yeah, but, but continue. All right. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, like, it's right outside Washington, D.C., right? I am not sure. I think it's more up toward Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was closer by than that. No. Uh, But in any case, you've got... uh, I found a very interesting term in in this story. Uh, The woman... Both women... There were were another woman who expressed the same opinion about the children, though I do not believe she was involved in the the murder. Uh, They identified themselves as members of the Exousia Ministries in Germantown. Now, Exousia is from the Greek word that means the ability or the power to do something. I looked at their website. They are, among other things, very concerned about the activity of the devil, possession, exorcism, and this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I found the same thing is true sort of in, in uh, Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox doctrine. However, it is balanced against the vastly more powerful good 
that is present in faith and God, and uh, that, I think, is very important. It was, um, it's very easy to have your imagine, imagination run away with it. It's very easy to get carried away. I have seen a lot of <clears throat> mental illness, I think, that resulted from believing things in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the wrong way and being uh, overly with being obsessed and being uh, overly engulfed in this paranoid and whatever you want to call it in this thing. Yes, there are dangers out there. There are parasites, as we call them. They are, there's the possibility that they are farming. You know, but again, there are also lions and tigers and bears out there. I mean, you walk oh, in the my. woods, you, you know, the coyote. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's part of nature. Uh, mosquitoes could carry diseases and do. Uh, flies could be unhealthy. So, I mean, but again, you know, to be overly concerned and paranoid about this, it's just part of life in this particular realm, on this particular planet, and that's it is what it is, as the saying goes. So, a balance is what's important, keeping one's feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. And look at the horrible tragedies that occur when people supposedly are being aware of these of these uh, these dangers. Well, I mean, that's I don't know, that, that stuff just kind of weirds me out. It sure that, does. Yeah. That. <laughs> They don't have trained professionals come in and assess the situation. Well, it, how do you well, how do you find that? That's, that's the true. trouble, and, that's you know. True. And we both know that you've got trained professionals. Who are they? You've got self-appointed people who come in. Sometimes will charge you money, though usually not. And uh, you just assume, and the local press puts them in the newspaper. People assume these are experts on ghosts or whatever the problems they're having. Or, and then I really cringe when they go in with the so-called demonologists. Ugh. And we've had several on the show. People I, I admire and like very much personally. But I said, well, well who told you you were a demonologist? You know, uh, Ed Warren, the late Ed Warren, a dear friend, like a father to me back in several years during the 70s, was, he called himself a demonologist, probably the first one. And, uh, you know, as a seminary student at the time, I said, you know, what are you doing? You know, I mean, and, and, but, you know, he, was, he couldn't question. You, I never got a straight answer as to what that was. Well, supposedly it's someone who has made a study of demons and their activities among people and will go in the, to cases and uh, will some, I, guess, I guess officially will determine whether to call in a priest or a minister or something else. Because the problem with that, as we've said many times on the show, priests and ministers generally, are not trained to deal with this. Uh, I was in the seminary for years, almost up to ordination, a year or two before ordination, and, and nobody, you know, this was, uh, the people were aware of it, but we never had any classes on that. Certain people were, were singled out and hush-hush given uh, some training in the church's, um, you know, narrow definition of what this is, and they would be the ones called in in cases like this, but it's, especially in the Roman Catholic Church, it's, it's highly institutionalized, it's very difficult and there was a book coming out uh, later this year, or early 2015, in which um, the Bridgeport Poltergeist case, in which I'm one of the few surviving oh, right. witnesses, yep. uh, was, uh, you know, I'm standing around waiting for the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, to come in and do something. And we had a priest with us, but he didn't have the authority to do anything except bless the place, because he was from a different diocese, and this on and on and on for three days. So um, and now, looking back on it, I think we were dealing with something a little deeper than that, but that's what we believed at the time. So uh, it, it's a difficult situation um, with that. So, uh, again, uh, you have to be very careful 
really what you believe in that realm and how you believe it and how you approach it. And uh, just be very careful who you listen to. There really are not that many trained professionals. Am I a trained professional? I mean, I, I studied under, not only give my resume here, but I studied under some pretty competent people in the church for many years, and uh, I suppose it's as close as you can get to anything uh, like professional training. I mean, also, you, you might want to look for professional psychologists. Uh, who I've had some of them tell me that I'm a big, bigger skeptic than they are because they run into this in their patients sometimes. Not a lot, but there are paranormal factors, uh, at least for some, many of the professionals I've spoken with who have MDs in that field. So there we are. So just be very, very careful with that, and it's, it's a tough situation. Okay, I think we are pretty much wrapped up with our correspondence today. Thank you for everyone who uh, wrote in. Already? And uh, then if you take it away. So you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find well over 500 free podcasts of all of our past shows, both regularly scheduled and specials, which we do have one of the specials up from... Uh, we do, we the, do. Yes, the Exeter UFO Festival, yep. and that is the one with uh, Kathy Martin, and we'll be working on the other ones and getting those up as yeah. soon as possible. Uh, just look for the special shows link on our website, and it'll take you to a page with a bunch of special shows, and get on the icon, it's got Kathy's picture, Stan Friedman, Mark D'Antonio, and... Travis Walton, whom we have never had on the show before, but whom we interviewed on that day. Indeed. Fine. So, so you can also check out our other website at www.newenglandghosts.com, where there are case photos, case photos, studies, and articles by my dad. And uh, find my books on Barnes & Noble Nook, e-reader, and Amazon Kindle, Amazon.com. And uh, if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I will autograph them for you. And you will help us keep all those podcasts free. Also on our sites, you'll find direct links to the several charities Ben and I have mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, and we were shortly going to put one for Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles. And again, we're very happy to have had Tony LaRae call in today to talk about that. Alrighty, and next Monday, January 20th, right here on WOON 1240 and com. Oh, no, this is wrong. We're not uh, no, I wrote it then. So okay. we're going to have Dr. Jim Tucker on with us. And uh, it's going to be right here on WOON. You can get your questions to us at paul at behindtheparanormal.com. You can call in, or you can go to our Facebook page, Behind the Paranormal, and you can like it and send us messages that way if that works for you. Yes, and uh, again, the subject of that show, uh, he is a, a University of Virginia professor who has studied y- children who remember other lives. It would be really interesting. We leave you this evening with an uplifting thought from American inventor Thomas Edison, not necessarily my favorite person. But a good quote, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.